It's time for the top four at four with Levac and Gaz. Brady Farkas hopping in here for the top four at four. Brady, we got the four biggest stories in the world of sports. Bringing you all the things you need to know thanks to our friends over at Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Brady, let's start with number four. It's going to sound weird here because I'm kind of combining one theme but two coaches. Doc, Doc Rivers let go as the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll talk more about that coming up in about 15 minutes and what that means for the Eastern Conference, the NBA overall, the future of those franchises and how teams are going to look at that. But also, we missed this, at least I did, Monty Williams let go by the Phoenix Suns. I saw it happen, but now I'm starting to wonder, this is a bigger impact across the league than I realized, especially with a franchise like the Phoenix Suns with stars like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. The the NBA never ceases to stop being a content machine soap opera. The three best records in the league the last three years, Suns, Bucks, Sixers, all three of them got fired this year. All three head coaches got fired. So prolonged regular season success does that does absolutely nothing for you in the NBA anymore. Um, does Monty Williams deserve to be fired? I would say no, but again, I'm not a Phoenix Suns fan. I'm not watching all of their games. I would say that they unfortunately had Chris Paul get hurt. I would say that unfortunately DeAndre Ayton either got hurt and or they gave him a contract they shouldn't have, which Monty Williams didn't give. So um, I don't know. I just I have a hard time with all this. I think guy, especially like in Budenholzer's case, like he won the title two years ago. I understand you're trying to maximize Giannis's uh, his winning potential here and keep him in Milwaukee. But my goodness, the NBA is just such a soap opera. I'm not for like everybody keeping their job just because they're nice people, but I'm also for people not getting railroaded out of town when it's not necessarily their fault. And it doesn't seem like this one is Monty Williams's fault. Chris Paul got hurt. One of the greatest point guards in the history of the game didn't play multiple games in this series. And Aiton got hurt at the end of the game and was rendered relatively or end of the series and was rendered relatively ineffective. I just, the NBA, man, it just this is what it does, though. I'm not blaming the Greek freak, but it is funny that both our minds went to the same direction to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo because that clip that goes viral at the end of the series involving the Miami Heat about the question he gets how every season isn't a failure if it's not winning a championship, championship or bust. Nick Wright here on Fox Sports talks about how the media has now perceived the NBA that everything is irrelevant unless you win the title, which is the wrong future for the league because you just can't do that and make your regular season matter. Well, all that stuff that some people rally against seems to be getting in the ears of GMs. Because as you pointed out, with that three successful franchises that didn't win the championship in 2023, all right, gone. See ya. Bye. Monty Williams, in comparison to the other two, I feel like is the toughest firing and the least fair of the firings. You laid out a lot of the injuries and everything there. What is Monty Williams supposed to do with Aiden injured and then, look, Kevin Durant and Booker have barely played as teammates. What for less than yeah, I three months? I, I get the yeah, superstars no, right about that. Like the team that they want to have go all the way, it wasn't even together for most of the year. It's another. I mean, you know, it's just insane. It's just it's insane to me that that he got canned for this. He falls on the sword, and man, it's tough. Very tough. We'll continue with the NBA theme here for number three. The NBA lotteries tonight. And you heard from Kevin Sweeney earlier. You know Kevin Sweeney very well, another Capital Region guy doing great things for Sports Illustrated, that tonight we would see 
where the future landing spot of Victor Webinyana could be. We see the Pistons, the Rockets, the Spurs as some of the most likely franchises to land the plus seven footer from overseas. And earlier in the show, Kevin Sweeney said that Victor Webinyana's hype is just like LeBron. Now, not to LeBron's level, but the best prospect since LeBron. Brady Farkas, that's a lot of hype around a prospect. Should we pump the brakes, as Travis on Twitter likes to say, or is the hype real around Victor Webinyana? I mean, the, the hype seems to be real. I've seen some of these clips. I saw him, I think I saw him miss a shot from three, get the rebound out of the air at like the free throw line, take one dribble in it, slam it home. It's pretty freakish athleticism and pretty freakish ability. Of course, this is what the NBA is about and this is what the lottery is about. I, I am amazed. It truly amazes me how in the NFL we have seven rounds of a draft and we can find absolute studs in the sixth round, the seventh round. We find undrafted free agents who are studs. And in the NBA, there's so many good basketball players in the world and so many good college programs and kids that are really good in high school and so many kids play AAU. And it ends up being with like six picks every year that actually matter. That's it. Like six players is all that comes out of every draft and end up being very, very good. So your goal is to get in the spot to get one of those six. And if one of those six ends up being a potentially generational player. You're banking your entire organization's future on that. So is it fair to compare him to LeBron? No. Is it justified? I don't know because all I have is grainy overseas footage and most of the time. But is it exciting to do it? Yes, because this is what these teams are playing for is a chance to get one of these lottery tickets. You made me laugh there with the grainy overseas footage because you and I remember the days of the old foreign basketball player, Manu Ginobili. Ricky Rubio. Ricky Ru- See, Ricky Rubio hurts us because I think you might know the same stat I know about Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is the first player born in the 1990s in the NBA. And you and I were born in 89, so that one hurts a little bit but nonetheless oh, i didn't know that yeah if it makes you feel better yuri perez of the marlins just uh, made his debut the other day he's the first player in major league baseball born in 2003 oh god that hurt uh <laughs> i loved your point about the nba draft and how it's turned into five to six to seven guys are really having an impact throughout that double contract what i mean by double is two and two you have the two guarantees. If you're a first-rounder, then it's a team option for year three and year four. It's a rem- I would love to see the number. I get, It's got to be close to 50% now of guys who do not make year three on that guaranteed first-round deal. And some guys sit in the G League. G League, fine. It, but it's not the NFL. Major League Baseball is a little bit different. We see a lot of first-round guys never make it to the show, and that's changing a little bit with a smaller draft. We'll see how those numbers play out over the next few years. But back to Victor Webb and Yada. It is a video game. Like, there's a reason why teams have been tanking, not just this year, but a year previous to get this guy, because Christos Porzingis is the easiest comparison because of the size and skill set, but this is like nothing I've ever seen before. It is a made-up movie prospect at seven foot five who can shoot threes. Oh, do you want a player? How about taller than the Greek freak? How about a better ball handler than Porzingis? How, it doesn't even make sense if he can stay healthy, and I hate putting that disclaimer on athletes, but... That's been the biggest concern about seven-foot-plus players. Can the body actually withstand the punishment? Whoever gets them, Pistons, Rockets, is going to have a franchise-changing player, at least for the fan base and more. Let's move on. to put on a little weight. Of course. That's right. Figure out the city (laughs) that's got that good food and put on that weight. Let's move on to story number two now. It's the Major League Baseball schedule of games tonight. The Yankees and Blue Jays, 7-0-7 first pitch in that one out in Canada. The New York Mets 
host the Tampa Bay Rays. A little interleague action there. 7-10 first pitch with Justin Verlander on the mound for the Mets. And the Mariners and Red Sox continue their series. Our coverage here on your home for the Red Sox. Fox Sports 95-9-980 starts at 6-10. 7-10 first pitch. Red Sox, Mariners. It's great having a Mariner fan with me today. You felt that game one vibe. How, if anything, changes in game two of the series for the Red Sox at M's? I can't believe the Mariners actually won one at Fenway. After getting swept last year at Fenway, I was at game four of that series in which Franchi Cordero hit a walk-off grand slam and just I cried myself to sleep all night. I thought the Mariners would never win at Fenway again. So <laughs> the fact that they won and won 10-1 to 1 was shocking to me. It was playing out exactly as I said it would, right? Like the first four innings were done in like 40 minutes. Like Kirby was awesome. Hauk was great. They were carving each other up. Hauk just threw the ball over the plate. The Mariners got themselves out. And then all of a sudden, boom, Cal Raleigh, Homer, and, and the game flips on its head. By the way, Cal Raleigh, first switch hitting catcher to ever homer from both sides of the plate at Fenway. Fenway's 112 years old, if you didn't know it. Jorge Posada never did it. Jason Veritek never did it. Cal Raleigh did it yesterday. Wow. So little history, little history at Fenway. Um, Luis Castillo is a stud. He's on the mound for the Mariners. The Mariners certainly have the advantage in this one. Like, Pavetta's got an ERA of 6.2 right now, and they're talking about moving him to the bullpen. So... Um, but Castillo has not been great. His last four starts, I think his first four starts, he had like an ERA of 0.2, and his next four has got an ERA of over four. So if they can make him work, he's been prone to make mistakes the last couple of days. Yoshida is going to be back in the lineup today um, for Boston, so that's going to help their offensive punch. Mariners have the advantage given the pitching matchup. Doesn't mean that they'll win. So, uh, you know, I think for Castillo, he needs to come out and be what he was the first month of the season rather than this last month of the season. And for Pavetta, I mean, he's just got to find it. Like, he's got too good a stuff to have an ERA of six. Maybe, you know, again, Mariners, a generally light-hitting lineup. Last night notwithstanding, could be a chance for him to do so. This is the second day in a row here in the top four at four, where I have a fantasy baseball pitcher. And I'm starting to realize why my fantasy baseball team is one and five. When yesterday I talked about Patrick Corbin, and today's Pavetta. Maybe there's a reason why my team stinks when Patrick Corbin and Pavetta are rounding out my pitching laps. Time to go to the waiver wire, guys. If this is what you're doing in mid-May and wondering, huh, why does my team stink? Those are two reasons why my pitching staff is that bad. Red Sox are in an interesting predicament with Pavetta, too. I know I don't want to spend too long on this. No, go ahead. They've got a six-man rotation right now, and they're going to get seven because Garrett Whitlock's going to come back probably next week. So there's going to be – there's two spots here that aren't going to be around, provided everybody stays healthy. Brian Bayo is your young pitching prospect. They can send him to AAA. That's kind of a path of least resistance. The other one is, I mean, Pavetta likely to the bullpen. But Pavetta came out last week and basically said, I don't want to go to the bullpen. Like, he's like, I'm a starter. I've been a starter. I've started here. I'm going to start here. I'm going to start here the rest of the year. And I'm going to start here next year. I mean, so he's pretty defiant about not wanting to go to the pen. He's also a free agent after next year. He wants to get paid like a starter and not paid like a bullpen arm. So, It'll be very, very interesting how he pitches tonight and how that sets things up in the future because with seven starters for five spots, there's conceivably two moves to be made. If Pavetta pitches well, maybe he can stave off that execution. But if he doesn't, then the drumbeat's going to get louder and he's going to get even more unhappy. Well, there's the thing right there at the end. you got to pitch well to make it happen. You can have a contract coming up. You have all the other things that are playing a factor for the future of your career. None of those things are going to change if your ERA is over six and Goss is watching you post negatives on his lineup that nobody cares about yeah. except him. And story number one here, it's the NBA's Western Conference Finals, the top four at four, brought to you by Mohawk Honda. 8.30 tip-off set for tonight as the top-seeded Denver Nuggets out of the Western Conference 
take on the Los Angeles Lakers. And it's weird to say this outline, the way I'm viewing this storyline. People didn't expect the Lakers to be here just a few months ago. While it's almost a surprise for some to see Denver back, although they're the top-seeded team in the Western Conference. The last time we saw Nuggets-Lakers in a Western Conference Finals was the COVID year in 2020 when it was in the bubble and the Lakers knocked off that Nugget team to eventually go on to win an NBA championship over the Heat. Brady, we haven't tipped off Game 1 yet, but what is your early sense of not just Game 1, but of the Western Conference Finals overall as a series? My early thought is, what is going on with these back-to-back number one stories? Yesterday, hockey. Today, Western <laughs> Conference Finals. We're not talking about Aaron Judge right now. Are we going to do that later? We will, do, we will do Aaron Judge next. We will do Aaron Judge coming up. I will give you a full plate of Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge is there. It's hard to do this. Yeah, Aaron Judge is coming up. Don't you? I can't squeeze that into four and a half minutes, Brady. It's coming up next. But first, well, I want you to take on the finals. Yes. Hockey one day, Western Conference Finals the next. <laughs> uh, my first thought is that the Nuggets are going to win this series. And I saw, I think Vince Carter predicted the Nuggets would win, but I see a lot of people predicting the Lakers will win. And that's got to just be on name and brand and LeBron recognition. I mean, LeBron is is obviously still excellent. Davis, if he's healthy, is excellent. But the rest of the Lakers, look, and I like Dennis Schroeder. I'm actually a Dennis Schroeder fan. I think he got a bad rap when he was in Boston. But um, I've liked him back in his Atlanta days. But Jokic, Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, uh, Pope uh, Porter. The Nuggets just seem to be really, really deep. And they seem to be able to go in waves. And the Lakers are so old and injury prone. I don't think they can do what would need to be done against Denver. Like if, if Golden State was in this series, I'd say Golden State would go incredibly small. They would get out in transition, and all they would do is run, 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 and they would render Jokic ineffective on defense because they'd be out in transition, and they would have him so tired from running back and forth on offense that he might be a little less efficient there as well. The Lakers don't have that. The Lakers are a you know, a slow, half-court team, conserve energy. We don't want to get out in transition that much, and I think that's going to allow Jokic to conserve energy defensively and have energy offensively. That That's my take on that. Anthony Davis is going to be huge because he's going to be guarding Jokic, and he's going to have to score. I don't know that he's going to be able to do both of those things. I mean, can he score 30 and limit Jokic to 20? I, I would doubt it. I know you're not a big-time sports investor, but that take is very interesting for my play of the day coming up. You might have read my mind involving the pace of this series. That's a little tease for later on involving play? game one. Play of the day is a gambling thing. I thought it was a highlight. No, no, no. We call that investing here, Brady. No gambling. Investing oh, is what oh, we do on oh, sports sorry. here. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get. I don't want to get a message from HR or something. So investing. Yes, I understand. We place investments at the end of the show, not don't gamble our money. But anyways, gotcha. um, okay. back back to, back to Nuggets and Lakers. Look, you said it. They're old, the Lakers, but they found ways to win throughout this entire playoff push. I was stunned. Series after series, you can go back on the internet and find the cuts of Kendrick Perkins getting laughed at by former NBA guys like Richard Jefferson and others that the Lakers, when they were a 13 seed, that they had a chance to make their Western Conference Finals. And here they sit four games away from the NBA Finals. But game one, I'm now game seven doesn't count. That's obviously the most important game of the series. But game one is number two. 
Because if Los Angeles wins this, I think they have a chance to win this series. Like, if they figure out a great game plan, how to slow down Jamal Murray, what to do with Jokic, how to set the pace of the game, the Lakers can win this series if they win game one. However, if Denver smokes them, like, if they win by 15 tonight, I could see this over in five games for Denver. Like, this is what Denver's wanted the whole time. He banged up, and I'm going to put air quotes around that. Anthony Davis, we don't know what his injury status is, if it's a wheelchair, if it's a headache, a tummy ache, whatever it is. <laughs> so I get Jokic against Anthony Davis. I'll do that all day. I get Jamal Murray, who's rehabbed and has been waiting for this moment when he became a breakout player in the COVID bubble. He gets his moment. It's in front of Denver. This roster is built to beat the Lakers. This could be a sweep, potentially. I like five games in Denver. That's my prediction. Denver wins the series in five. However, if LA keeps it close and wins tonight, I'm immediately allowed to switch. But everything from the big man down low to quicker players to better scoring, go watch the Suns' final few games against Denver. There's no way the Lakers can keep that pace with Denver if they're able to play like that in this series. No chance. So I love Denver in this series. Denver in six, Boston in five, and the finals will be Celtics and Nuggets. Yeah, I would like that because speaking about investing, I have that ticket from way back in February. So I'd like to cash that ticket, a February call of Celtics Nuggets. That'd be a nice cash for me. All right. you Yeah, you mentioned Aaron Judge. Let's talk about Aaron Judge. Everything that went down with the Yankees yesterday. I want to get to Doc Rivers as well because that's some NBA talk, how it's going to affect franchise in the future in the NBA and more. Brady Farkas here with us in the 4 o'clock hour. Slovak and Gaz on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. Slovak here for USX pestcontrol.com go to usxpest.com right now and schedule your free inspection for free they're going to come out to your house they're going to walk around the trouble spots they're going to you're going to tell them where you've seen things where you think there might be an issue and they're going to come up with a plan for you to have the safest home possible when it comes to pest control the non-chemical exclusion system is perfectly safe all natural approach to keeping out rodents and wildlife from your home so your pets are safe your Kids are safe. You're safe. And all because they went around and did this for you. They also are going to look at your yard. Hey, do you have uh, tick issues? Do you want to keep mosquitoes out? They've got a plan for all of it at USX. You've come to know and love the Gagne family of brands, and you may not even have realized it. They were cat's eye pest control. Well, now it's USX Pest Control. Go to USXPest.com right now and schedule your free inspection. Brady Farkas joins us here again. We, we can't get rid of him. It's a Tuesday. It's a second segment in a row. He's here all week. Let's just announce. You announced it on social. You're going to be here all week, right? What do you mean? What do you mean I can't get rid of me? You invited me back. This is not like I horned in on this show. You invited me back. This is not like, okay, get rid of him. He won't leave us alone. You asked me. This is like Jazzy Jeff on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We're not throwing you out, right? No, we're having fun together. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, unlike Doc Rivers. See, I did a segue there, Brady. Look at that. A segue into Doc Rivers. You we're always gonna... did love your transitions. Oh, you know me too well. We're going to get to the Aaron Judge conversation for sure, but the segue and the transition is too good. Doc Rivers, out. Head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. We teased this a little bit yesterday that that could be the possibility after the Sixers were blown out in Game 7. The Celtics advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you make of Doc Rivers now no longer the head coach of the Sixers? Is it this all him? Is this Philly? Trust the process. I feel like there's tons of layers to this firing today. There's too many layers to get into in six minutes or whatever. I will say this. This felt 
inevitable, right? You've, you've gotten close. You haven't been able to get over the mountain. That's just what happens, right? Like you don't get seven years to get through things. Now, when you're, when you're hand delivered a team that people think should win a title, you get two or three years. And if you can't do it, then it's on to the next. So this felt inevitable. The thing I would question is, is how does Joel Embiid feel about this? Because I am not someone who believes in giving total autonomy to the quarterback, and I'm not someone who believes in giving total control over to just your best player. But in the NBA, more than any other league probably, maybe quarterback in the NFL, the star player has a say. And Joel Embiid came out the other day and said, I think Doc Rivers has done a great job. So, I mean, James Harden, I believe, is going to be gone. So, I mean, if if... Embiid was okay keeping Doc but losing Harden, I probably would have asked his opinion on this. If he wanted Doc gone, then then there was no debate in my mind, but he came out and sung Doc's praises the other day, so I wonder how he's feeling today. But beyond that angle, I think it felt inevitable. It's hard to figure out why Doc Rivers has always gotten these opportunities. Like The answer that keeps popping into my head, and we've seen this change, and especially the head coaching spot in professional sports, is the players like him. Management likes him. He does a good job. You know, like it feels like he's always been failing up since his time with Boston. Um, it's an interesting way of putting it. And you're probably right. But, you know, I don't know. I also think like part of Doc Rivers' appeal is he's won a title. He can instill a winning culture and certainly a regular season winning culture, right? You take over these teams that have been woe-begone franchises, you know, the Clippers and the team that never had any experience winning, and you bring in a guy who has won, and at that point, it was more recent. And then now, you know, you go to Philly, a team that had come out of a long stretch of losing, and you kind of bring in a guy who's won a lot, who's been through the battles, who has accomplished a lot, and you kind of teach them how to win. The question is, and the thing that I don't really know the answer to, because I don't follow Doc Rivers closely enough, as we talked about yesterday, is is he only a guy who can really elevate you in the regular season? Can he put in the put in the culture, put in the systems, teach you how to win in the regular season, but then he can't deliver in the postseason? I don't know the answer to that, but it certainly seems like his ability to win in the regular season and take over these franchises that have struggled in doing that certainly is an added is a benefit to him. He was a broadcaster for a long time. He can still make a lot of money doing the broadcasting thing. ESPN's always looking for new talent on the NBA side. If I'm Doc Rivers, I've had a nice coaching career. I keep getting canned. Go make some broadcasting money. Go do all that stuff. Now you look at the 76ers sideline, too. We've seen some, let's say, unconventional hires in the NBA over the last few months, years. We saw Steve Nash with really no coaching experience get hired. We've seen Jason Kidd originally and then move back to the sidelines, and then become a head coach again. I feel like Philadelphia gives me that vibe of, let's try to do something different. We did trust the process for a decade plus ago. We've brought in this big talent. We've made the big move. I can see Philadelphia being one of these franchises that say, hey, let's do something out of the box thinking here for our next head coach. It's crazy because, well, all I see is Mike D'Antoni, right? Like Mike D'Antoni is a Daryl Morey guy. They were together in Houston, and D'Antoni is a – you know, and that, I mean, D'Antoni is kind of the same as Doc, right? Good regular season coach, overrated postseason coach, a guy who hasn't gotten it done really, or or, or hasn't gotten it done often enough. So it'd be the, the Sixers are in a crazy spot. They have a ready-made or close to ready-made title team. They have the MVP of the league. This is not a situation where I want to be turning it over to JJ Redick or something like that. But I also, you know, 
need somebody better than Mike D'Antoni. And I'm amazed in the NBA at how few of those guys are actually out there. I mean, they could go and hire um, Mike Budenholzer, who's won a title. They could do that, and I'd be I'd be okay with that. But bottom line is the, the NBA is just full of these retread coaches, and it seems to be the same group essentially getting chances, with the exception of the guys you mentioned who are former players who just get out of it. But in the Sixers situation, this is not the Charlotte Hornets. If the Charlotte Hornets want to ever hire JJ Redick, fine. If the, you know, if the, uh, I don't, if the Oklahoma City Thunder want to hire JJ Redick, fine. But this is a team that should win a title or should be close to winning a title and has the MVP of the league. I can't turn it over to somebody like that. It's like Doc Rivers, D'Antoni, Tom Thibodeau. Rick Carlisle, you know, like I, you're exactly right. It's like a list and of apparently Mark Jackson is still in the mix. How? Like, how does it? It's amazing. Like you think of a sport that credits themselves on being innovative, that wants to do stuff different, that looks forward to the future, that has analytics. It just doesn't seem like that for coaching. I'm glad you brought up JJ Reddick though, because he is such a prominent, we'll call unique voice in media now, where he's going so different. What's it called? The new era media where him and Draymond Green, Draymond Green's obviously active, but viewing the sport in a completely different way. And for some franchises that catches their eye and ears like, okay, this guy views basketball different. I like to see him to be the smartest guy in the room if I can, if a hire like that works for sure. Uh, Am I allowed to mention ESPN programming on a Fox affiliate or should I not do that? No, we'll do it. That's okay. You so can't get fined. You don't work here. That's fine. <laughs> earlier today, George, Joe Fortenbaugh on, uh, on ESPN radio said that the Sixers were built on a foundation of losing and, you know, the whole trust the process thing that you mentioned yesterday, like contributed to it. Like, Hey, these guys were brought into a system of losing and therefore they don't know how to win. I'm sorry. I can't buy that. Doc Rivers wasn't here when the team was tanking. Joel Embiid was here when the team was tanking, but by and large, that team was not the team that was tanking. I mean, Tyrese Maxey wasn't here when the team was winning 14 games and James Harden wasn't there when the team was winning 14 games and Daryl Morey wasn't there when the team was winning 14 games and Ben Simmons is gone. Like the guys who were part of the process outside of Embiid, they're all gone. Tobias Harris wasn't a part of that. So this whole like, oh, the Sixers were built on a culture of losing. I am not buying that because none of these guys outside of Embiid were even a part of that. And we said, we talked about yesterday in baseball, Show the Houston Astros that. I mean, that team was built by, you know, if we're doing this on a culture of losing, and they seem to have turned it around pretty well. Yeah, they're doing pretty good, yeah. It's hard to say you're built on a culture of losing when you're not in the franchise. You're not in the minor leagues. You're not coming from a college program that struggled and you were a big-time prospect. Right, there's no connection to that. Brady Fark is joining us here. It's LeVac and Goss, Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. Talking about some of the big stories here in the 4 o'clock hour. Brady, you are, for those who may not know, not only a Shen High School former pitcher, the Capital Region Roots run deep for you, but also a college baseball pitcher, the proud Oswego alum, pitching for the Lakers way back when. I feel like you, in particular, offer a unique take on the biggest headline in New York sports this week, maybe at least today, could be for the rest of the week, of Aaron Judge in his eyes wandering around a bit, looking at the dugout. As a former college pitcher and someone who covers baseball professionally, what did you make of Aaron Judge yesterday against Toronto? 
one, using the phrase way back when, wow, I didn't realize I was getting that old that quickly. And two, <laughs> I didn't know that the Division Three resume, me of the ERA of 4.96 or something in my career, made me qualified to do such things. But <laughs> I will say this, um, based on what I have seen today, this doesn't feel like that big a deal. I mean, Buster Olney, our buddy, came out and said earlier today on Twitter that the Blue Jays themselves feel like this was a them problem. And right there for me, the conversation ends. If the Blue Jays think that they did it wrong, then the conversation is over to me. Here is how, here is what I am anticipating has happened here. I believe that Alejandro Kirk was using Pitchcom. I do not believe he was putting signals down to be stolen. I believe he was using technology as it was supposed to be intended. But I believe that he had some kind of tell that, the dugout had picked up on whether that was he was giving away location, whether that was he did something different with his glove when it was off speed versus fastball. And I think that Aaron judge is looking at the dugout because they've got a tell in the same way that, you know, pitchers have tells. I think catchers can have tells judge was not looking at the first base coach. Clearly the angles of his eyes were not looking at the first base coach. He's clearly looking at the dugout. And I think that they had something and identified something. And I'm all, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Sign stealing has been around for 100 years plus. Sign stealing is an art. And when it's done by the dugout, within the confines of the dugout, without technological aid, then I have no problem with it. In that case, the Blue Jays just need to be better. And that is what they said, according to Buster Olney this morning. And so, you know, I think this is much ado about nothing. I understand why it's a conversation point, but I don't think there's anything, any reason to, uh, you know, impugn judge on this. I love the quote of the tweet that Buster had to betraying the identity of the forthcoming <laughs> pitches. Can't we just say they gave it away? I love Buster, <laughs> but like, is he getting paid by the letter on this tweet or something? Betraying the identity of the forthcoming pitches. So let's go back a little bit too, though. I love that point you talked about where it's almost been a part of this game. It's an art, I think is the way you just described it, of finding signs and stealing those signs and having that as a part of the game. And that's true. We let off the show talking about this too, that there are parts in any sport and any level that this is the exciting competition part of it. If you pick up an edge, and it's any game, it doesn't have to be sports. You could be playing checkers. You could be playing poker. You could be, oh, somebody did this. I think they're going to do this in the next move. And you tipped it, and you let it happen. Look, for Little League coaches out there, and I want to ruin something for an upcoming Little League game here locally, but if your coach touches their hat and then touches skin, that might be a steal sign. That might be. Like, that was the same sign we had for 15 years, hat to skin. Do you want to reveal any of your signs from back in the day? No, I, in case I ever get back into coaching, I love my science system, and I thought it was impossible to detect. Belt, so I, belt I is bunt. <laughs> it was, belt, belt was bunt back in the day for everybody. But guys, like, you're right. Like, you played football. If, if the offense, is, if the, the defense studies tape all week and learns what the audible calls are, guess what? You have cracked the code in a perfectly legal way, and that's fine. If you know that every time the quarterback says Rover, the offensive line moves to the right, well, then you're going to learn that. And every time they say Lucy, they move to the left, then you've you've earned the right. If I pick up a tell on you as a as a basketball player that, hey, when you dribble left, you shoot jump shots, and when you dribble right, you go to the basket – that's just good film study, and that's things that you that things that you have acquired. Maybe the blue, maybe the Yankees had something on film from Kirk done legally. Maybe they picked it up within the confines of the game. 
legally. And if that's the case, then fine. In that case, you just need to be better. Kirk, you have Pitchcom there for a reason. That is there to, one, make the game quicker, but two, make it harder for you know signs to be stolen or decoded. You need to close your legs better and not allow location to be seen if you are giving anything with your hands there. You need to not move as early uh, you know, for the location, you need to move later, something, but I, I don't think there's anything nefarious here. One word is going to change how I present this question, but I want you to answer both if you can. Tonight, Yankees and Blue Jays are going to face off again. We know everything that's happened now. Will there be retaliation? Should there be retaliation from the Blue Jays against Aaron Judge? No and no. Um, I don't think there will be. I don't think there should be. The Blue Jays have said, we think this was our fault. Presuming that they mean that and presuming we can take it at face value, this is an internal thing that their pitchers and their catchers need to address. And therefore, to me, there's no retribution needed. Look, the the unwritten rules I'm all for, I am even okay with throwing it, guys, when it's done, you know, in the back or something like that. I've lived by that credo forever. I'm not okay with it in this case. It doesn't need to happen. It shouldn't happen. Um, You know, the Blue Jays have said it's their fault. If we take them at their word, then they'll address it internally in their own meetings, not out on the field with Judge. A 7-0 lead at that point. When we think back, how much, if at all, would those runs have really swayed the outcome of the game? Probably not that much, but the interesting part about this whole conversation is how much was led on before. How much did we not see from Buck Martinez and Dan Shulman on the broadcast. Maybe the wonderful crew they had missed a few other opportunities in the games. And that seems like some fun of it, too. Now the cameras are going to be looking a little closer at eyes. Maybe another camera inside the dugout of what's going to be happening. I think it's going to be very interesting tonight to see how not just the players react, not just the umpires, but the fans and more and Yankees, Blue Jays and everything else coming up. Uh, Brady Farkas, we appreciate you. Another day here on Fox Sports Radio 95.9 and 980. You are more than welcome to be back tomorrow. And by that, I mean I will be calling you, asking you, please come back tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. So thank you for doing this, my friend. Uh, D- look, D3, we got love for D3 Athletics. Your credentials are very good. They let a D3 offensive lineman host this show for some reason, a utility lineman. So things are good here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. Yes, go ahead. I prefer if you're getting, you know, rather than D3, let's just remind people I did start the Albany Twilight League All-Star game in 2012. I gave up a homer on the second batter, but I did start the Albany Twilight League All-Star game. That might be more, uh, that might be better on the resume than, than D3 washout. And that's your Twitter profile. Brady Farkas, I will talk to you tomorrow, man. Yes, sir. See ya. All right, coming up on the way, we give you your play of the day. Thank you to our friends over at Mohawk Chevrolet, but before... We get talking about Mohawk Chevrolet. Let's say about our friends over at Mohawk Honda. I was in this morning, bright and early, had my cup of coffee, 745, getting an oil change. Shout out to John in service for taking care of me. Had that big old maintenance light go off. Had to make sure everything was good. John is the best man, doing great things in the community, helping out, coaching Little League, one of the best people you want on your side. I saw everybody in there. I saw Nick and Nate doing their great social media work. I saw my guy Jordan doing his thing, running around. I feel like a coach talking about Jordan, running around, making plays in Mohawk Honda. But it's great when you get to continue year after you go back and learn more and more about the people that are making your life easier. That's what it is. When you find the right vehicle that fits your budget, your lifestyle, and more, Mohawk Honda will have that, and things in your life get easier and easier. Certified pre-owned vehicles are there in Mohawk Honda right now. So if you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle, 
That's the place to go. It's Glenville, New York. And we're going to be broadcasting live coming up on May 30th. So join us in Mohawk Honda if you've got questions, you're looking for some time off of work, looking for that summer road trip. That's the time to come visit us broadcasting live. Our first time on the Fox Sports Radio side for Mohawk Honda on May 30th. Mohawk Honda where they always go out of their way to please you. See, I get nervous to look at my phone during the show. I do. I get nervous to look at my phone during the show because I never know what's going to happen now. Now being the father of two, maybe my wonderful wife will just text me to see what's going on, how's the show going. That's good. That's good stuff. However, you start getting updates during the day of what could be true, what's not true, what you should believe, what you shouldn't believe. All that stuff happens. Throughout the entire day. And I had to go through my phone today. I had to wonder like, okay, is this real? Is this not real? Let's talk about the Knicks and the Sixers. Because you've heard us discuss Doc Rivers' future with the team a little bit today. What's happened involving that Philadelphia franchise. Letting him go after a few seasons with the squad. And them, the Sixers, never getting to the conference finals under Doc Rivers. Now the reports are coming out that Joel Embiid is going to be pursued by a drum roll, please. The New York Knicks. Okay, so help me through this here, internet. Help me through this social media landscape and more. We just talked about how trust the process should be over in Philadelphia. You blew up the whole franchise. It didn't work out. It didn't happen. All that stuff you were hoping to have happen didn't happen. And now your thought is you're going to blow it up again? Because you didn't get by Boston in Game 7? It seems to not make sense. And if you are a New York Knicks fan, you're going to point to the roster and say what needs to be improved. You'd say the big guy down low. Julius Randle's a fine player. Maybe top 30. But he's not the MVP of the league in Joel Embiid. And some reports are coming from the Ringer and Spotify and others that the reason why the Knicks would pursue Joel Embiid, the MVP of the NBA, is because of Leon Rose. Leon Rose, Worldwide West, those associations now with the New York Knicks have worked in the past with Joel Embiid, in particular Leon Rose, who used to be Joel Embiid's agent. Joel Embiid had talked highly of Leon Rose and wanting maybe in the future to work with him together again. But New York, you just saw Joel Embiid not get it done. Joel Embiid's final quote before he left was James Harden and I can't do this alone. They gave you help. They gave you Ben Simmons. They gave you a bunch of players. So I don't know why Philadelphia or New York all of a sudden want to talk about Joel Embiid playing for the Blue and Orange. I would rather have Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards would be a better option. I think that'd be amazing to have Anthony Edwards, but maybe Minnesota's not willing to give him up for the franchise, but I'd rank it that way instead. Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. Guys, why cat over Embiid? I know what Embiid's been. Injured, now a little sensitive to the media, hasn't stepped up in the postseason. You can make those same claims for Carl Anthony Towns, but you might not have to mortgage your future for cat like you would for Embiid. So I'm surprised that I've seen that come across here over the last half hour to 45 minutes. And then, if that's not enough, I see this quote coming across the internet from respected NBA reporter Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, pre-hype 
before tonight's NBA draft lottery had this quote about all seven foot five of Victor Webinyana. This is the most highly anticipated player to ever enter the NBA. And this is maybe not only the greatest prospect uh, in the NBA's history, maybe the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. Wow. Okay, I have to laugh at that. Because we had Kevin Sweeney on earlier. And if you missed our conversation with Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated, check out the podcast side, Apple and Spotify, iHeart, online, all that good stuff. If you're looking for the podcast, check it out. Get Apple, Spotify, and search LeVan Gaz, our conversation with Kevin Sweeney, who said he's the most hyped prospect since LeBron James. And I can get with that. Seven foot five, who can triple, can score, who played against pro athletes. I can get with that. But maybe I'm being a little old school with this. Maybe I'm fatigued at this point because of YouTube and the cuts and the clips we can see of Victor Webinyana. But the most, arguably, him and Shams, the most respected pro basketball reporters in this country. Adrian Wojnarowski just went on the air and said, this is the greatest prospect in the history of American sports. Maybe my bias of liking college football and liking college basketball has now turned me into, if you don't play in the NCAA, I can't call you a hyped prospect. Because we've seen some hyped prospects, right? Like, we remember Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow wasn't the number one pick, but we saw the hype around him. That whole NFL draft was about Tim Tebow. You love him or hate him, we remember Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. I, that's my favorite NFL draft of all time. Because every pick, I legit thought Johnny Manziel was getting picked. Every single pick. Dallas, remember that moment? So Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow are just two that jumped to the top of my head. I'm not even talking about players like Joe Maurer, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was a first-round pick and the number one overall pick in Major League Baseball's draft. And, of course, the number one pick by the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL draft. Joe Maurer could have played baseball and football at Florida State. So these are just huge prospects that pop in my head. I get Victor Webinyana is seven foot five, seven foot four, whatever you want to list him on an NBA roster, and he's got this skill set. But to come out today and call him the greatest prospect in the history of American team sports, when you listening right now may never have watched him play a single game. The American sports fan may have never seen Victor Webinyana play anything except if they know how to get on YouTube or Twitter and Instagram, TikTok. But we're going to call him the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. And we're going to find out if it's the Pistons or the Rockets or the Spurs or some other team's going to get lucky who's bailed on this entire season and hopes to get him. That's a lot of pressure. We get number one overall picks are always under pressure, but now to have Woj say that before the lottery. And if that's the hype now in mid-May, what are we going to get for the next six weeks leading up to the NBA draft? What are we going to get till tip-off in October? What are we going to after his first game? I'm luckily old enough to remember the LeBron hype when Jay Billis and Sean McDonough and Bill Walton, basically the A-teams now of broadcasting teams, were calling a 17-year-old's basketball game in Akron, Ohio. I remember the hype around that pre-social media. That was insane. I thought in my life I'd never see something like that before. But now with the different ways to hype up athletes, 
Zion had a lot of hype around him. Bronny James is going to have a lot of hype around him now that he's declared to USC. Victor Webinata might be the best create a character prospect you can build in a video game of all time. I can hear that out. But the hype, the most hyped prospect in the history of American team sports, I'm not ready to get that hot with a take like Woj was earlier today. But speaking about hot, I have been hot for our plays of the day. If you ever want to offer up a play of the day, by the way, you can always do that on social media. Connect, connect with the show on Twitter at WOFX980 at Tom Goss, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. If you want to follow our guy LeVac on social media, follow him on Twitter at DJeffLeVac, L-E-V-A-C-K. Tweet about how his life in Orlando is going right now. I'm on a hot streak right now. Shohei Otani. Baltimore Orioles, I told you yesterday, over eight runs. If it wasn't for Aaron Judge and the wandering eyes going back and forth of the Blue Jays' dugout, Otani might have been the talk of the show today with a bomb he hit in Baltimore last night. The runs that were being put up for the Angels and the O's in that match. So we had the over yesterday, but the hottest, knock on wood, I can feel myself jinxing myself as I talk out loud about this game coming up. My play of the day is Lakers-Nuggets. Under 225 and a half. So again, I play for the day under 220, 222 and a half. Not 225, 222 and a half. So why are we playing the under tonight in Lakers Nuggets? Brady Farkas did a great job talking about this earlier today, about the pace of this series. Los Angeles is still an older team. Denver has got a really deep bench. A lot of different matchups that come off that bench for Denver. We know what Jamal Murray's been able to do. There's been reports that he's going to be a game time decision tonight. But if Murray's in the lineup with Jokic, this is the team that Denver has hoped for years to have. This has been what they've been waiting for. If it wasn't for Jamal Murray's injury about 18 months ago, we may have seen the Nuggets get back to more conference finals, their most recent one in 2020. If Los Angeles wants to stay in the series, they have to win game one because Denver could blow away the Lakers in this series. They battled, even though they stepped away as winners in that series against Phoenix. They battled with the Suns. The Suns and Nuggets is the best NBA series so far in the playoffs. Tons of offense, tons of action, great shooting, 60% plus from the field. Teams were not missing. And they took down Phoenix. So think about the most recent results here for the Nuggets, okay? And where you think about getting the line and getting average, 125-100 win. That's over 222. 110-102 right on the button. 120 to 124, over. 121 to 114, over. So I've got four overs right there. 118 to 112, I think I said 110. So the last four games with that number that's been posted, Denver has gone over. Everyone would say high-powered offense, what God's just said, right? Like Phoenix series is all about offense. Why wouldn't they hit over 222 tonight? That's the thing. Lakers slow down the pace, let Anthony Davis set up. Let LeBron get out there. We'll see if Reeves can continue to have the impact that he's had in this series. That's how the Lakers win and get to the NBA Finals. they got to win games like 98-92, to 100-97. to 97. Any of these games start hitting 105-110. Jokic is too good down low. they got enough three better shooting three balls from Denver coming out. That's a better matchup for Denver. So I will take the under tonight. And my prediction in that is Denver wins the series in five. And I will take Boston in five as well. I think these are both going to be blowouts. Miami's had a really good run. 
But Boston's such a better matchup there. They've got better stars on the floor. Miami's played about as well as they could against New York. They benefited from the Milwaukee injury. But that's my play tonight. 222 and a half under in Denver, LA. Let's see if we can stay hot with all that coming up. Coming up on the way, we got Cavino and Rich. And then coming up at 6 it's the Boston Red Sox pregame show. They're going to take on the Seattle Mariners tonight. Looking forward to that game and call as well. Brady Fark is going to join us again tomorrow. We got a little exciting. I want to tease it, but we might have a former Capital Region connection. We've had a bunch this week. We've had Kevin Sweeney. We've had Brady Farkas. Another Capital Region sports voice you might know already. But you actually might hear on Fox Sports Radio. It's a nice radio tease for you. Coming up on the way again, Cavino and Rich, 5 o'clock, Red Sox pregame, 610 coverage underway. LeVac and Goss here, 595, 9 to 980, Fox Sports Radio.